obviously, as you can tell, uh, I'm not able to be here, but I am joining live in via satellite link. Like that weird thing that you see on Raw. Um, sad to say that I obviously can't be there. I'm on my mandated holiday. I've been taken out um, off far and away to uh, not infect this episode. Um, but I'm sure the guys will be having lots of fun even though I am not there, and I'll be having lots of fun, even though I cannot be here uh, to take part in it. Um, but do not fear, because there is someone, someone that can help fill the space left by myself. Some say he is a legend. Some say he is one of the greatest. Some say he is a renaissance man of many, many talents. Some say he is New York's strongest soldier, the longest walker on the Foxy Road. He is, you damn right, and the Base World Podcast's strongest soldier. Please welcome today's interim host, Melee Hellbot. It is time to tune up the band, and I'm coming to get you, for it is another episode of the Sweet Chimbo, but I don't know what else to say. <laughs> it I had am... to be done. It had to be done. I am Sam, joined as ever by Reardon and Melee, as we continue our journey for the wacky world of professional wrestling. You see that, Melee? You've been promoted now to, uh, to the go. official status. Oh, you are God. now an honorary member of the Sweet Chimbo podcast. How's that feel? Yeah. Fuck your chair. <laughs> so, um, so Reardon, I feel like now we have six members of the, of, of the podcast at this point because we have Connor, we have Melee, and, and and Chair somehow managed to wrangle his way into the Sweet Chinwag podcast, but we we won't talk we, about that. Actually, we also have Hayden. <laughs> oh yeah, that Hayden is indirectly responsible for this whole thing uh, taking uh well taking shape and taking form. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. So we officially have a prog rock amount of people. Are we officially a stable at this point? Ooh. That's a good question. That's a good. Qu I prefer prog rock because that 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 just seems right. We 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 are definitely we are the king crimson of wrestling podcasts. That is a reference I never thought I'd hear today, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> And I'll take that one with me. How are you guys doing this week? Busy. Busy, busy, busy. But, you know, it's been a good week. Things are things are in motion and, and just, yeah, just sorting out life in general, as always. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just playing Spider-Man 2 while the entire world collapses. You know, nothing new. I am so jealous because I just, I don't have a PlayStation 5. I need one. I only just got it this week. For Spider-Man 2? Yes. Yeah. Good man. Good man. <laughs> you know, he knows He knows exactly what to buy. I mean, Sony. I, I've been waiting. I, I feel like I'm on the like feeling of, should I wait for the PC release? But then I keep seeing everyone going, no, actually, this game's incredible. And I'm like, mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll get We'll get on to that when we get to Recommendation Corner. But um, yeah, my week's been busy. I mean, if, if, if anyone knows, my week's just been incredibly busy. But anyway. 
we give you this podcast thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and forever pending other platforms. What is that you see at night underneath the bed? It's with big red eyes. It's this podcast. <laughs> Always pending. Always pending. Waiting for when you are least expect when you least expect it for when you are weak and we always will be <laughs> yeah we're under the bed next to next to the base world and you damn right podcast yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> in the closet is the gay consortium because it's on brand you know that is the only good smart joke I'll ever have, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Before we get on to our episode all about the Boogeyman, it is time to visit us for this week's wrestling news. Dun, 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 dun. Wrestling, wrestling news. Thank you, Melee. Thank you, Melee. It feels weird without Dad being here, let's be honest. All right, there is only one thing we need to talk about. Oh, my. Could it be... It is! Dare I say that us as Deadlock Heights and the whole entirety of the Deadlock podcast have to be thanked for bringing back TNA? You're welcome, everyone. So at the end of Bound Bound for Glory, see Scott Damore in the middle of the ring saying, we are fucking back. As a video package reveals that Impact Wrestling is once again returning to becoming... Total non-stop action wrestling. Oh my god, we are so fucking back. Real grabs. The the little the little promotion that just will not die. <laughs> it's it's great. They will be officially got uh, rebranding back to TNA, I believe, next January. Um, mm. So for the rest of the year, they're still being branded as Impact. They actually have been going on to a tour in the UK, actually, as of right now. They actually had Turning Point uh, yesterday as of this recording, which apparently was actually a, a really good show. Um, Impact this year, honestly, I would say Impact slash TNA has really been a sleeper hit promotion this year. Yeah. They've had some really good... Not only like uh, shows, they've had some really good pay-per-views as well. Yeah, and some really good matches like uh, Tyrus versus Bubba Ray. Uh, we won't talk about that. <laughs> 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 the less said about Tyrus, the better, everybody. <clears throat> True. Yeah, but no, it's... I can imagine just how galvanizing it must be for them to actually have... to actually have it properly under their under their like wing it must getting be, to do it it must, must be so galvanized it must be great it must be a great feeling especially because i feel like scott damore has really galvanized the the company to to back to a good like on the upswing because it has been for the longest time let's be honest mm. ever since hogan came into the picture in tna has always been on an almighty downswing <laughs> What do you mean, brother? He he truly is the four. He truly is one of the four horsemen. One that horseman being death. Uh, the other three being Bischoff, Nash, and Hall. Yeah, 
I was True. I was gonna I was going to say Russo. Russo is Russo. Russo. No, no, Russo deserves to actually. Yeah, Russo deserves yeah. to be Russo, there. Russo, Russo deserves to be there. Russo is pestilence. Russo is pestilence. <laughs> Uh, watch us if we weren't blocked before by Vince Russo, being us being almightily blocked by Vince Russo after that. Why, why block us, Vince Russo? We, why did, bro- a, we did a whole last episode on you, sir. We did. We really did. I'm so you know, rude. You know, I'd love to go and do a sequel on that just to do further talk about Vince Russo. I really would. But continue. <laughs> no, I have been really impressed by the past couple of years, especially. Like, a lot of companies during the Panasonic were very kind of had to really strip down and a lot of them were kind of running on basically running on autopilot. Whereas I saw that impact really kind of adapted and then thrived in that environment. Um, Especially with the Mm -hmm. whole like Scott Demore really early on in the pandemic um, really brought back this kind of revival of TNA by bringing in not only the TNA World Heavyweight Championship, but bringing other guys that were part of that company and that lineage in. Uh, Moose being the first one, which I'd never necessarily, I won't say Moose, I don't necessarily brand TNA or I'd see Moose and TNA as the same thing, because I think Moose was there when it was Impact, if memory serves me correct. Uh, But then they brought back Suicide, they eventually brought back the guns, and it all just seemed like, from what I've heard, Scott Demore's been wanting to do this since 2019, but hasn't had oh, the right time to do it. So they've had the right to do it since 2019. That's interesting. Yeah, and of course they were going to originally do it in 2020, but of course then, as I said, the whole thing with the the world shutting down happened, and so that kind of was on ice was put on ice and then eventually it was trying to figure out when was the perfect time to do it and it just seems like yeah now was the perfect time to do it and with with the with with everything really going well for them i mean as i say like i am was one of the many people that was so happy to see alex shelley finally win the big one as impact uh impact champion yes sir and of course uh saban as x division champion and not only that, but just the the cultivation of of a lot of talent that they've built up in this past couple of years. Like Josh, shout out to Josh Alexander. He's really like I really uh, do like Josh Alexander. Mike Bailey as well. Since coming back into being able to come back to America and do more shows, really been liking what Mike Bailey's been doing there. Needless so to say, that Bound for Glory match that he had with Osprey. I really enjoyed that one, even though a lot of people say it was a spots fest. But sometimes, sometimes I do like a good old spot fest. <laughs> oh, it's TNA. We have we need the spot fest. Exactly. I mean, let's be honest. That company was built on on being a spot fest. The only five star match they've had was an absolute spot fest triple threat match. <laughs> I want to say that, brother. We did it was a, put on Hulk Hogan. I was going to say, we did a whole episode on that triple threat. <laughs> we did, didn't we? Sometimes, guys, spot fests work because the spots are incredible. Like, like T- TLC2 is a spot fest. Yes. And I would die for that match. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it- so what you're saying is Scott the Moore just randomly decided to, you know, look at Twitter so a sweet Chang web post talking about this specific match. I said, oh, fuck, I missed it. I need to bring it back. <laughs> I 
a hair kenner. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I would say that as well. <laughs> but that is just me saying. <laughs> Thank you, Sweet Cheng Watch, for putting wrestling back on the map. No, I, I definitely, I would go on, on record right now as to saying that, uh, no, I feel like a lot of this does go back to Pulse, Tony, and Johnny for being just... Like, the re- the retro reviews have been nothing short of incredible when talking about TNA. I find them mm-hmm. directly responsible for, for TNA returning, honestly. <laughs> like, most definitely. Like, 90% of them is just done. And because of their promotion. Yes. Because it, it gives you the feeling of old-school TNA. Exactly. Exactly. All that matters to me is that it's back. Yes. Yes, sir. I'm very glad they brought the old logo back as well. Redesigned, uh, have a bit more, with a little bit more um, vibrant red and yellow, but that old TNA logo is back. Question, uh, the thing is, I've heard that they are, they, they are having brand new belt designs for each title as well. Um, whether they bring back, whether those are the same designs as like 2007, 2008 TNA, or if they're like redesigns of those. I'm looking forward to seeing. They're not bringing the six-sided ring back, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, they were never going to bring that back. Come on, guys. They were never (laughs) bringing it back. Everyone hated taking a bump on it. I love it. It will always be beautiful to me, but then it's never coming back. Let it go. I wonder if they bring it back specifically for Destination X, though, because it's so entwined with the X Division. I wouldn't hold your breath, honestly. I really wouldn't. <laughs> but then again, I... Six Sides of Steel was a very... Visually, it's a really nice concept and does look pretty darn cool. So it's that thing of maybe, but I, again, as you said, I probably won't hold my breath too much on that. Yeah. But I'm excited for 2024. Hard to Kill in January is going to be the very first TNA-branded pay-per-view uh, for its uh, uh, return. I'm excited. Good to see Impact back on the upswing. Does this mean that TNA is going to be the number two promotion? I don't know. I've heard Ooh. sillier things. And unless like Tony Khan gets a, gets even more crazy with his cocaine habit, then we'll see. <laughs> Honestly, it's wrestling. Anything could happen. Anything could happen. <laughs> this much is absolutely true. So no, so happy to see him back. Really it's great. Like, you, you got TNA coming back. You have Jeff Jarrett being an active wrestler. Nature's healing. It's really the mid two thousands all over again. <laughs> I don't. I which which I don't which I don't particularly care for in in certain aspects. But hey, TNA's back. Yeah, that's neat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think with that, we're pretty much done with the news because that's honestly the, the the most the most important talking point for us when it comes to the news. It really is. That's all that matters mm-hmm. to us. Okay. Yes. So let's head on over to recommendation corner, and uh, I'll be honest, Rin, and I think we should start with melee, shouldn't we? Yeah, go on, melee. What do because you got? Because I think because he's, he's itching at the bit to talk about it. <laughs> you know, guys. <laughs> what are you, what are your guys' opinions on Spider Man? The greatest fictional, my favorite fictional character. What he That's said. the correct response. What he said. So basically, this, this, you know, a little indie company called Insomniac released, uh, you know, j- just a very tiny, 
98 gigabyte game called Spider-Man 2. <laughs> 98. <laughs> like, well, actually, first thing, I just want to say, like, Western developers, please learn how to compress stuff, please. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's, it's actually getting silly. Hey, at least it's still smaller than Red Dead 2 by about 2 gigabytes, but I digress. <laughs> well, basically, Spider-Man 2 just came out. I made a extremely poor financial decision buying a PS5 just for this game, but it's worth it because this game, probably game of the year, although I probably still have a soft spot for Tears of the Kingdom, but so far, I'm only like 10 hours into the game. I love it so far. It it feels like the definitive version of like the comeback, the the story, the just the visuals. It's like pretty much everything has improved. So yeah, I just recommend it. If you could afford it, buy it. And buy an external SSD if you can, because god damn it, these games are so big. <laughs> yeah, okay. I need to start like doing that with my games. <laughs> Honestly, truly, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've heard so many good things about Spider-Man 2. Uh, I was a late adopter, actually, funnily enough, to Spider-Man. I played it, I, I honestly want to say I played it about 2021, and then I played Miles Morales right afterwards as well. Uh, Interesting. On PS4. Really, really enjoyed it. I had to, I think most of it came from being put off by so much hype around the original version that I kind of wanted it to die down and actually have my own judgment to it, and I'm kind of kicking myself that I did that because I can understand why people fell in love with it and I'm really I'm really happy to see that Insomniac hadn't faltered in making a sequel uh, and that if anything it's it's got the same amount of of love and appreciation for this one uh man shout outs to Insomniac man because they've been they they have been killing it and, and that makes me really excited for the Wolverine game as well that they're developing. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. Marvel games are good again. Although I have been seeing a lot of memes are saying people saying, I got you Spider-Man 2 and it's the original Spider-Man 2 movie tie-in game. Um, <laughs> it's still a great game. Which, you know, I I mean, would, I'll be honest, I wouldn't be mad if someone actually gifted me that Spider-Man 2. I mean, honestly, honestly, <laughs> honestly, Shout out to the OG Spider-Man 2, and it's such a crime that thanks to movie licensing, we can't have that we can't have that game on like you can't buy it. I don't think it's on the PlayStation on that little PlayStation um plus thingy mm. where you could play all the it's not on that. I do think it's there's so many really good ga- I mean that's why like we can't get the one really good wolverine game before like x-men origins wolverines why we can't play it on you can't buy it because of the licensing it's a real crime a real crime exactly Mm -hmm. it's a shame that we don't have bruce campbell doing the narration for this version of spider-man games you know yeah (laughs) can't win them all (laughs) hey but i did hear tony todd voices venom in spider-man 2 so you know what he does. That's he, amazing. Yes. It was announced. Get that bag. It, I yes, it, it was announced. He did a little bit. He did a little announcement doing his voice, and I was like, "Oh fuck yes!" Speaking of Tony Todd, <laughs> guys, it is Halloween season. It is spoopy season, and it is Black History Month. So, as my recommendation 
I am recommending Candyman. Hell yes. Uh, yes, sir. Oh, I what love a, Candyman what so a much. Great movie. Just a great, great classic movie where everyone with some of the most crazy visuals you'll ever see in any movie. Oh, such a good film. I'm very much, I am one of those people I feel like I, I don't mind the 2021 uh, version of Candyman either. I think that, that that one made me um I think we talked about it a little bit when Matrix Resurrections came out as what made me convinced that Yaya uh that Yaya Abdul Mateen was going to be quite good as Morpheus and I was right. He was really yep. good as Morpheus. <laughs> he was incredible as Morpheus. I mean, it does I mean, would I have loved to have seen Lawrence and Hugo back? Of course I would have. <laughs> Yeah, but I... the, the the Hugo one, I for that movie, I think the Hugo one hurts the most, and that's only due to scheduling. Yes, that's so funny. <laughs> but no, absolutely. Candyman yes. rules. Love that. Candyman, baby. Mm-hmm. All righty then, fellas. Let us get on then to our last episode for Black History Month. It is time to talk about the Boogeyman. Yes, sir. Yes. So, what are the visuals? What is the first visual that comes to mind when you hear the name The Boogeyman? A man smashing a goddamn clock over his face. <laughs> You're damn right. Man who obviously can't tell the time. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, for me, it... worms. Yeah. Literally just, literally just worms. <laughs> Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I tried recreating that w- with gummy worms, like back in the day as a kid. <laughs> I mean, who didn't? Who didn't? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh gosh! All right, so let us get into the beginning. Not much is I couldn't actually get much in regards to his early life, but what I do know for certain is that Martin Wright was born in July nineteen. 19- 64. Uh, that that pretty much that is all I could gather because there's not much on his early life that I could find. Um, you know that's really appropriate. The rest of it is the rest of his early life has been redacted. <laughs> He's so say, dedicated to the gimmick. I was going to say so dedicated to the gimmick. He lived in the bottomless pit since 1964. <laughs> <laughs> um. From what I could gather, I think, of course, as with most most people, they get into professional wrestling. He was a- athletically inclined, uh, took part in uh, high school football, uh, some basketball, maybe some basketball here and there. But that's all I could really honestly gather um, because every single bit of research, article, Wikipedia entry or wiki entry basically starts from 2004 and marty wright's first appearance in the wwe in the million dollar tough enough which of course that's right i'm 40 40. how old are you 30 how old are you 30 30 so marty really impressed everyone during that open audition that took place it was on a beach. I can't remember exactly where Venice Beach, Venice Beach, California, is where that or that that two day audition 
took place. Uh, there, we also got to see um, Mike Mazanen, uh, fresh off the real world of MTV. Ryan Reeves, mm-hmm. who would later go on to be known as Skip Sheffield. Uh, also, that other thing, Ryback, but we don't talk about Ryback. Uh, <laughs> and of course, Feed. the eventual winner, Mr. UFC, even though he never competed in the UFC, Daniel Puder. Who? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, Marty impressed everyone, producers, the judges, everyone there with his intensity, his athletic prowess, and how he was able to kind of clear all of the obstacle courses they set out with relative ease. There was just one little problem. Uh, He said in his application that he was 30 years old. Turns out that he was actually 40 in a very famous thing where he did an in-ring promo to to, to the judges, basically hyping himself up. Uh, basically, they were saying, how old are you? And he was going, 30. How old are you really? 30. How old are you? 30. 30. No, that's right. I am 40 years old. <laughs> what a beast. And he, oh, ba- and he was just about to really get impassioned where the judges cut him off and said, look, we don't like liars. You're five years off the cutoff point. We have no... What do you mean? It's wrestling. <laughs> That's kind of weird. I mean, I get it, but like... Here's the if thing. He, if, he, if he got the... If he did his job and he did everything, like he had gotten good enough that like they had no problem so far, then like, I don't like liars. Seems very arbitrary. I was going to say, that's rich coming from a company like the WWE, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And let's be honest, DDP started when he was 32. Mm. Batista was in his uh, early to mid 30s when he started out in OVW. Yeah, that's right. Like, I mean, 40 years, 40 years late, but it's not unheard of to do something. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, thing is, though, it didn't harm Marty because even though he was cut from the million dollar tough enough, the officials really couldn't say no to how well he did and so decided to invite him to their developmental territory at the time, Ohio Valley res- uh, Wrestling. Basically for kind of like a taster training day. And he would sporadically go to those training days between uh, January and June of 2005. Around June time, he was finally offered a, a developmental contract with the WWE and made his debut in late June uh, during a dark match, I believe, for OVW TV. From what I've heard, he was trained not only by Ohio Valley Wrestling, but also received some training uh, with Stevie Ray and Booker T. Now, that is some conversations I would have loved to have heard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. So pretty early on, Marty Wright was billed uh, simply as Marty Wright at this time and and, and had a very kind of like intense, dare I say, Ultimate Warrior-esque styling to his wrestling uh, work uh, in that he was ultra strong, didn't uh didn't spend too long in the ring and no sold a lot of people's moves. That's my gimmick. And so, as we're getting more and more into the into two thousand into two thousand and five, Marty stops starts adopting a lot more 
mystical and supernatural things to his gimmick. And at one point in, in during his time, he begins to... Well, a lot of people say he begins to delude himself into believing that he's actually the boogeyman. He started off originally as the Nightcrawler, but then as it got more and more spooky and outlandish, he convinced himself and made everyone believe that he was indeed the boogeyman. Now, if you've seen M Marty during this time, he didn't look like he did when he got called up to the main roster. As a matter of fact, he still had the same kind of like warrior-esque face paint on him. But actually, I'll show you guys a picture because it is a bit silly with how he looked. He had what I could only describe as as ball horns on the side of his head. Right. He had the staff, mm -hmm. but Oh. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how he looked more like uh what's it? a a, a not like a halloween costume version of the cyber demon from doom <laughs> yeah i was actually gonna say he looks like what does he look like he looks like a like a really really low budget heihachi mishima <laughs> <laughs> he's With not wrong stop. he's not wrong PS1 polygons. <laughs> uh, it's the one thing that Boogeyman didn't do that Heihachi hey did and throw his son off a mountain. But I... <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. Now, with this comes a very infamous story uh, that saw the firing of then head booker of OVW, James E. Cornette. See... Cornette was very much doubling down on this boogeyman character that Marty Wright had uh, had made and produced, and so would and so would, as a way of being able to get this character over, the boogeyman would sporadically make appearances during and in between matches where he would come out into the audience and start scaring everybody. Now, in the audience for one certain event on ODVW television was the future Santino Morella. And his and I think I might might been his family were there as well, but I can't be hundred percent sure on that one. What I do know is that the boogeyman scaring and intimidating everyone to great effect for the kids. When he got to Santino, Santino kind of chuckled a little bit at, at boogeyman, uh, much to the anger of Jim Cornette, which who when Santino returned to the back, chewed him out for it and. Punched him square in the face. What? This led to Cornette being fired uh, from the company, uh, from WWE, for that infraction. <laughs> yeah, Cornette got so angry that Santino basically no-sold the boogeyman's spookiness that he got, that he punched him square in the face. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's this is it. coming. This is the same Jim Cornette that 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 speaks the virtues of wrestling being real and likes to have more, you know, real gimmicks. Mm -hmm. But he's trying to put on the boogie bad. <laughs> so weird. Yeah, that's just. I don't even know what to say there. <laughs> it, it it it's crazy. It's crazy. So. 
Boogeyman would then start adopting more face paint, eventually going over to the red and black polka dot. I dare I say face paint look. He would start adopting more things like having the clock in his hand, smashing over his head. And eventually, I think in this last few appearances, would then start using worms to put them in his mouth. Because he saw, when he first did it, he saw it and knew the visceral reaction of disgust he got from people. And knew that it would absolutely work wherever he would go. And you know what? He's right. It absolutely does work. It, I remember when I first saw that. And I was like, that is so disgusting. You are now my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what? So, this brings us to, well, mid-July. Uh, he would eventually make his debut in December, but vignettes started beginning to air in July. That's kind of backwards. So, why aren't you, why aren't you doing that in October, guys? Come on. Exactly, exactly. So, if anyone remembers the, the vignettes, the way they look, they were very horror movie-esque in the way they were presented. A lot of kind of like dark hallways in a house, uh, dark doorways, filmed all in Dutch angles. And of course, the very kind of always ending with the line of, I'm the boogeyman and I'm coming to get you. I, I love the fact that, uh, that the Wikipedia lists this as a, they began airing these to promote the debut of his Boogeyman gimmick, a horror-themed, disturbing, worm-devouring, Beetlejuice-like freak of nature. That's the direct <laughs> quote <laughs> from Wikipedia. Now, there's a reason why these were made to be so long, and it actually ended up being a, kind, of a, kind of an oof moment for uh, Marty Wright slash the Boogeyman. They were eventually moved from Raw to SmackDown with the intention of him making his debut in around October, but Wright ended up... It was delayed because Wright hyperextended both knees during an OVW show. Which... Yeah, that's... Jesus. So eventually, he would end up making his first on-screen appearance in and around October, which caused, of course, to kind of counteract the fact that he couldn't get into the ring, brought in by then SmackDown Network executive, Paul McCannon. Do you guys remember Paul McCannon? I do not. Neither. This was the guy who was supposed to be the network executive for UPN. Kind of like what Don Callis was when he was Cyrus in ECW. The man, basically, his initials PC, basically Paul McCadden's gimmick was supposed to be politically correct. This is the same guy that brought in Mr. Kennedy, the SmackDown Juniors division, which, if you guys remember, was a midgets division, um, and, and Pirate Paul Burchill. Oh, no. Wow. Okay. <laughs> the line that always makes me laugh about the juniors division is that um, the original intention was it was for it to be a brand new junior heavyweight division, but John Laurinaitis uh, took the word junior too literally and hired a bunch of small Mexican luchadors instead. Well. Jolly Ace, everybody! 
<laughs> yeah, that's one way to do it, I suppose. <laughs> uh, so, of course, during all this time, he's doing a lot of backstage segments, bringing in all of the elements that he collated during OVW. The dark, dank lighting, the worms, the clock. He originally did have two kind of catchphrases. Of course, the one, the most famous one being, I'm the boogeyman, I'm coming to get you. But he also, during watching most of these things, had a play on the very famous one, two, Freddy's coming for you quote from Nightmare on Elm Street, where he said one, two, boogeyman's coming for you, and then smashes the alarm clock on his head. God. Incredible stuff. So, this brings us to his debut against Simon Dean on SmackDown in a very, very convincing squash match. Uh, he threw the worms <laughs> in his face. One, two, uh, boogie slam, win, I'm the boogeyman, and I'm coming to get you. Pretty simple stuff at this time. So, let us go to his very first major feud. His feud with JBL. <laughs> oh boy. You know, you know this is actually kind of funny because considering that J that you know JBL got his start as Bradshaw. Yes. That that feels like that's some chickens coming home to roost for him, I suppose. <laughs> Just a little bit if you ask me. Now, of course, during this time JBL had a manager or as he was known at this time his fixer a woman by the name of Gillian Hall. Now, what was Gillian Hall's one distinguishing feature? She had a ginormous growth on her face. <sighs> okay. God damn it, Mel. <laughs> really? I have not heard that in a long time. <laughs> nice to mold you. Meet you. <laughs> Jeez. I'm almost certain that Vince McMahon saw Austin Powers free and basically wanted to recreate that. Nah, he doesn't see anything. Yeah. Or at least someone told him about it. It was like, oh, that's some good shit. Maybe. Maybe. And so, I believe that. So for a number of weeks, Boogeyman stalked and tormented both Gillian and JBL through the backstage area. So... Oh, gosh, here's where we go. Before we get to the Piper's Pit segment, there was a very infamous moment on a January episode of SmackDown where he caught a fleeing Jillian and shoved worms down her skirt. Oh, uh, boy. Oh, uh, boy. Oh, gosh. Now, oh, no. the next week was an episode of Piper's Pit, which saw Piper's guest be, of course, JBL and Jillian, who should appear, of course, but the Boogeyman. Now... I want to preface this by this is the moment where the Boogeyman probably does one of the most disgusting things I think they've ever tried to do. And that's saying something for WWE. <laughs> when I think about all the disgusting things they've done, this one rates mid <laughs> to what they've done. But yeah, during this segment, which was actually cut from the UK broadcast version of SmackDown, believe it or not, Reardon. Boogeyman... Oh. Uh, JBL throws Gillian Hall into Boogeyman's arms, to which Boogeyman sniffs the growth of Gillian's face, then licks it, and then proceeds to bite the damn thing off. Oh, God. Oh, I, I remember that. Yeah. Mm, no. Oh, 
Oh, that's ill. I remember Taz and Michael Cole's calls. Like, oh my god, that's sick freak eating the damn thing. I know, I saw it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, see, thing is, you, you did this to yourself, Red, and you wanted to talk about the <laughs> No, it's like, again, I'm having that. I'm having that. I'm going back into a kid where I'm like, oh, that's so gross. That's so, so gross. Compelling, though. <laughs> <laughs> Compelled. Of course, the blow-off match would happen at the Royal Rumble, where the Boogeyman squashed JBL in under two minutes. Beautiful. That's such a fucking... What a, what a stat. Getting squashed. The JBL getting squashed by the Boogeyman. I forget how strong the Boogeyman was, like, was booked. He had an undefeated streak at this point, Reardon. That's the craziest thing. <laughs> That's just so because I forget that you know you get that spooky you get that spooky buff whenever you do when you just to all of your stats when you're in the WWE. Ah, uh, yeah. If you debut as a spooky gimmick, you can't be defeated. No, I mean, look, yeah. Undertaker, Kane, Oscar, right. the Wyatt family. <laughs> it's like like if you if you if you are spooky, you get a serious boost. <laughs> Oh man! So, who should he? Who is his next target in the lead up to WrestleMania 22? Booker T and Charmel. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Here we go. Here uh, we go. Oh, this was. I, I will say this is probably a highlight of mine because the the way he stalked uh, Booker and Charmel was nothing short of gross and awesome. Of course, in the lead-up to WrestleMania, they had that one segment where Charmel was stuck in, in, in the dressing room uh, with the lights off. Booker T turns the lights on, and it's all bathed in red, and it's just the floor is covered in worms. Oh. Is this... You know, because we're doing this for Black History Month, is this <laughs> the greatest all-black... all-black <laughs> all storyline in wrestling history? It's up there. <laughs> I mean, I... <laughs> like when you on like honestly think about it, I know it's like to say that like on one hand that is a complete and utter you know <laughs> that that says a lot about WWE and representation, <laughs> but on the other hand, if there's gonna be this, at least it was done really fucking well and. <laughs> God, Charmel was so good. To go he was from, so good in this. For Booker T and Charmel to go from one extreme to the other, with, of course, you know, Kurt Angle, uh, 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 Charmel-obsessed Kurt Angle, and uh, and then the Boogeyman is, is quite something. They had a hell of a year, that's all I'm saying. Going from... They had a... And Charmel went full... She was 100%, like, in with this. It was so great. I mean, of course, the feud eventually would culminate, of course, at WrestleMania 22 in a handicap match, pitting Booker T and Charmel against the Boogeyman. I love the backstage segment before this, where they had Boogeyman and Charmel very nervous and scared going through the backstage area looking for the Boogeyman. But they would eventually just come across a whole litany of what I could only describe as 
freaky wrestlers. Um, they had, if memory serves me correct, the first one was seeing Million Dollar Man uh, fleece Eugene out of a hundred bucks. I go bad by making him bounce a basketball a hundred times, and then Ted DiBiase just kicks the basketball after ninety nine, uh, and then and then Ted DiBiase doing that laugh. Uh, upon realizing that not only did he fleece Eugene out of money, but he fleeced a whole a lo whole load of people out of money, which resulted in his entire family getting arrested by the FBI. But that's neither here nor there. We had <laughs> Gene Snitsky licking Mae Young's feet, because of course this was when Snitsky had his foot fetish gimmick. <laughs> this is the WWE, what? everybody. I, I well, Mae Young really was. A fucking carny, wasn't she? Yes, she absolutely. <laughs> and now I'm just, I now I'm just getting flashbacks to our May Young yeah. episode. I mean, yeah. Please go back and listen to that episode. It was really good. And also, her life was weirder than even we expected. Exactly, exactly. And then, of course, ending and culminating in Booker T's old tag team partner Goldust and his revised, I guess, new gimmick uh, that he brought on, Oprah Dust. Yes, he was dressed like Oprah Winfrey. He <laughs> written, if you remember. I, I did not. Rec I do not recall this. I, I want to say that you're lying, but I know that you're not. <laughs> this is Dustin Rhodes. Come on. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh. Right. So yeah, the match itself isn't too much to talk about, as it only lasted a few minutes. Booker T, absolutely afraid of of afraid of going near the boogeyman. Basically throws Charmel into Boogeyman's clutches. And of course, Boogeyman, a mouthful of worms, kisses Charmel. <laughs> Again, Charmel. Everyone is 100% committed to the bit. I love this bit so much. Charmel so much. completely disgusted. Booker T is left on his own. Boogie Slam 1-2-3. Free. Now, here's a little fun fact. The match was actually supposed to be quite competitive and last a lot longer than it did. Turns out that Boogeyman ended up having a bicep tear during a house show loop in the lead up to Mania and thus was working injured. Uh, they would explain his time away uh, with Booker T filing a restraining order against the Boogeyman. Which, <laughs> by the way, do you think a spooky supernatural gimmick would care less about a restraining order. <laughs> I just like I I do find that funny as hell. Like the boogeyman getting this getting this under the bed, this letter, this cease and desist letter and just going, ah shit. Alright, well I guess I've I guess I better do this as best I get just rest on my laurels until WrestleMania. <laughs> I mean, he's a supernatural evil entity, but he's not a criminal. Come on, man. <laughs> That's true. Very true. This is very, very true indeed. Now, here's here's a little weird history, a little thing that I remembered, that I barely remembered, but I do kind of when I when I read about it, it did spark a memory in in my in my head. So, Boogeyman was hugely uh, was a huge part of the promotion for that year's SummerSlam. Was was beginning to make his return from injury to SmackDown, but come September, he actually had been released from the company. Wow! But would you believe three weeks later he'd he'd been re-signed? 
<laughs> you know what? I think it. You know what? I think it was. I think they going. I think it was like. I think it was like the higher ups going like, "Yeah, this has run its course. Like, no one's gonna want it." But if you remember, the boogeyman was fucking over. He absolutely he was. was. The, the crowd loved this fucking guy. It's crazy how over he was, despite the fact a lot of people in the back will tell you he can't really wrestle for toffee. <laughs> no, like <laughs> he can't. He absolutely can't. He, he's a, the boogeyman is such a fascinating guy in that. He is the definition of the exception that proves the rule. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like he is, he is the exception in so many things. Not only in the fact of like he can't really wrestle, mm-hmm. he's old, <laughs> and and that gimmick, especially with the the with the with the look, could very easily you could very easily see like like you could see the bits of like the other rest other like voodoo wrestlers and all that other stuff in terms of like in terms of black wrestlers in the WWE yes like you mm-hmm. can absolutely see that it just seems that on this one time it absolutely like it made one it made sense two he was booked like not like like he was booked ridiculously strong but not like Strong in a way that kind of like it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like like they, like and I think the big thing the big thing was that he was like explicitly like lower mid card. Like getting to face Booker T was the height of his powers. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so I argue. You should go finish. No, no, no. I'm, I'm done with you. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say, like, you could argue that this is, like, pretty much the prototype of what would become, like, the Fiend character, like, you know, the the way he's played out. You know what? Well, that's not... Huh. <laughs> From a yeah, visual like, perspective, absolutely, because remember... Like, oh, he's... Hmm. It's like, he's not, like the, like, the best worker, but, you know, you hide that, and then you focus on what he's good at, and that's, like, the, you know, the mystical things. Yeah. That's pretty much like what Bray Wyatt did. The fact that like the fact that he was so damn good at like actual like like wrestling psychology but not wrestling itself, it's kind of impressive. Mm-hmm. Oh, it 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 really, really is. So before we get to the person who would end up uh ending the streak for the boogeyman. We must talk about a short feud where two undefeated streaks collided together. The undefeated streak of the Boogeyman versus the undefeated streak of the Miz. Oh no. Oh, <laughs> Just <goodness>. one. <laughs> you think you're special? <laughs> <laughs> now this is, I think this was a newly debuting Miz he was seen yeah, as a... The, the, the fact that you just said the Miz, I'm kind of like... Fuck me, The Miz has been around forever, hasn't he? He has endured when a lot of other wrestlers around that time haven't. Uh, Let's be real here. The Miz's one and only injury was just a couple of years ago. That man has been able to have longevity that I have rarely seen in a wrestler. Wow. That's amazing. 
Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, we can shit on the guy a lot, and there's a lot of people that do, but he's not... I genuinely feel that Miz hasn't been as bad as I think people let him on to be, because if anything, he could have been a reality star that could have just really phoned it in, but he learned how to wrestle. In that, absolutely the best case scenario, without question. Without question. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, this all culminated at uh, Armageddon, where the Miz and Boogeyman would meet, and Boogeyman, one boogie slam, defeats Miz and ends the Miz's undefeated streak at Armageddon. Which leads us to, dare I say, one of the more well-known feuds of the Boogeyman with Finlay. Ah, yes. Oh, yeah! (laughs) Now let's talk about Finlay, the little bastard, the Boogeyman, and Little Boogeyman. Of course, the little bastard would be renamed as Hornswoggle sooner than later. You cowards, I really wish they'd kept the little bastard. That was so great. (laughs) Would you believe that um, Finley, with help from Hornswoggle, was the one to end the Boogeyman's undefeated streak? (laughs) (laughs) But as a, as a way of revenge for what Hornswoggle did to the Boogeyman, during the uh, during a February edition of SmackDown, during Finley versus Chris Pinoir for the United States Championship, Boogeyman would distract Finley by abducting Hornswoggle. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we would see the appearance of Little Boogeyman. <laughs> I love wrestling. I I love wrestling so much. So much. (laughs) This would lead to the blow-off match, the combination of the rivalry at No Way Out in a mixed tag match, which would see Fiddly Hordswoggle being pitted against Boogeyman and Little Boogeyman. (laughs) They lost, by the way. Boogeyman lost, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) This would lead to, quite honestly... One of the Boogeyman's most infamous moments during his entire career. He's not booked for WrestleMania 23, but that doesn't stop him from making an appearance. And possibly, quite honestly, one of the most infamous appearances in WrestleMania history. It's the Donald Trump backstage segment. Wait, wait wait a minute. Wait a fucking minute. This happened? This absolutely happened. Now, Donald Trump in this whole thing, he's with Miss USA, which is just, ooh, it seems a bit creepy that a young woman would be the valet for Donald Trump, because ooh. Uh, he's com- he's complaining and moaning that Vince hasn't given him anything from craft services, he hasn't eaten all day, when suddenly the whole of his dressing room turns to a dark shade of red and the Boogeyman's theme song plays, to which he crawls from the back of the sofa <laughs> seeing... Old MacDonald had a farm. Yo, <laughs> scares Miss USA out of the out of the dressing room. To which Donald Trump just no sells the boogeyman. <laughs> I love I love the thought that you can just like activate your entrance music anywhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't realize as well that the bottomless pit was actually out was actually behind Donald Trump's sofa, but you know, the, the less said about that, the better. I mean, 
Oh, I have. Oh, there's so many things I want to say to that. <laughs> <laughs> so Donald Trump says, "Look, I don't care who you are. I haven't had some food. Can you just get us some food?" To which the boogeyman retorts, "I'm the boogeyman, and I'm coming to get you some sandwiches." Lentigan <laughs> crawls back onto the sofa. <laughs> I. <laughs> that man. That's not the end, on. though, Reardon. Because oh. who should appear but Little Boogie Man? To which Donald Trump says, And who the hell are you? Insane. <laughs> I really wanted a sequel scene where the boogeyman hands Donald Trump worms in a sandwich. Yes. That's what I want. That's oh, what I, I want. Have done that. And I and I wished I wished that we could have lived in a reality where Donald Trump took a bite out of that sandwich. <laughs> I, I want that. I want that in my life. Unfortunately, we can't always get what we want. <laughs> so, before we get to his time in ECW, a couple of things I want to list off. Did you know that the Boogeyman had a short-lived tag team with Kane? Really does make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. This was during a feud that Kane had with William Regal and Dave Taylor. And, of course, Kane... Uh, Cited, I guess, the services of the Boogeyman. I mean, how does Kane get a message to the Boogeyman when he lives in the bottomless pit? That's all I want to know. No, no, see, Kane, being a spooky person himself, absolutely could. He could absolutely do that. He has that power. Sorry, I'm actually pronouncing Kane's name wrong. I should say uh, his name is actually Steve. If you watch, if you listen to a recent episode of Deadlock, Steve! <laughs> weighing two hundred and sixty-seven pounds, Steve. <laughs> oh man, old like Lillian Garcia. Not a bad announcer, but she just mispronounced so many things <laughs> during her time uh, during as a, a ring announcer. Yeah. Right. During this feud, this would see Little Boogeyman return and the feud between Finley and Boogeyman uh, reignite once more, culminating in Saturday night's main event in June, which saw uh, Boogeyman lose again. <laughs> um, this would see his time in SmackDown end with a loss to Mark Henry in a huge squash match. This was part of Henry's proto hall of pain gimmick do you remember, guys remember the path of destruction run that he had oh Ooh. yeah funny that, that we didn't it. mention that it was such funny... a blink and you'll miss it thing because i feel like a lot of people rem like fondly remember the hall of pain more than they do the path of destruction yeah but the reason i bring this up is because mark henry after his squash match Proceeds to beat up the little boogeyman and give him a big splash, basically seeing the end of the little boogeyman's time in WWE. Rest in peace. <laughs> the rest in peace, little boogeyman. So, during the June draft for the WWE, boogeyman was drafted to the ECW brand. And he made his debut the next night on ECW, beginning a feud with Matt striker sam i got a question for you yes do you think the boogeyman would have had a place at og ecw 
With the he amount of ridiculous think. gimmicks that Paul Heyman would have come in and out of ECW, yes. Yes, he absolutely would. Mm. It, he absolutely would have worked in, in, in ECW. <laughs> he would have been Boogeyman Dudley. <laughs> Boogeyman Dudley. Oh my god! <laughs> the Boogeyman... Boogeyman... Uh, B- Giovanni Boogeyman of the Four-Blooded Italians. <laughs> Tommy Boogeyman. I'm just thinking of them doing the 3D on Mini Boogeyman. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be incredible. Oh, you know Paul Heyman would have done something like that. You know oh, absolutely. So, well. so, this rivalry and feud with Matt Stryker would actually see Matt Stryker debut his brand new enforcer, Big Daddy V. Oh yeah, baby. This is the era of Viscera with no shirt on, to which everybody was like, dear God, please put a t-shirt on. (laughs) Oh, what? So yeah, Big Daddy V and Boogeyman had a small little rivalry together, which would see Boogeyman... Kayfabe injured, taken off of TV, where he would come back uh, debuting a new face paint design, which was all black with yellow sort of veins and black contact lenses. Um, Not much really to go on about that, because Big Daddy V still would beat up Boogie Bad quite convincingly. (laughs) He He was one and only shot at a championship, would see him when he had a disqualification victory over then-champion John Morrison. Uh, oh, cowards. They should have given the title. Should have given the title. His only then only time he would be in the main event scene was during a Saturday night's main event, where he would team with CM Punk to take on Morrison and Big Daddy V. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hurt and I'm old, and I'm working with fucking spooky people. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Those are real worms, Crimea River. <laughs> That's a real glass in the alarm clock, Crimea River. <laughs> Gosh, of course, this was during the time where CM Punk and John Morrison were embroiled in a huge rivalry over the ECW Championship. We won't talk about why the reason John Morrison was in that thing because there was originally another person there. <clears throat> <laughs> but really not much after that that big uh boogie man was in the main event picture he would continue his rivalry with big daddy v uh constantly losing against big daddy v he would have a fatal four-way match for a shot at the title uh but unsuccessful in that as cm punk would become the victor he would again become injured once more due to a torn calf muscle he was also it was reported as well that he took this time to have dental surgery to fix the front teeth to replace them. To which I'm saying, dude, come on, that's the good, no. that's the best thing about your gimmick. Yeah, no, that's like do what you got to do to be happy, right? Mm. But mm-hmm. it's it's like Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi actively did not get dental, has actively not gotten dental surgery because of that. Because he knows, like, that's, that's what that's what makes me Steve Buscemi. That's what makes you the boogeyman. All credit to you, but I think that was a mistake. You looked <laughs> great, buddy. You looked great. Uh, so, 
His final few appearances would be sporadically between Raw and ECW. In October 2008, on Monday Night Raw, Boogeyman would make his uh, return, appearing during a segment with Big Dick Johnson and Jackass's Johnny Knoxville and Chris Pontius. Truly, amongst, truly amongst his peers. <laughs> the segment would end with Boogeyman spitting live worms into the mouth of Chris Pontius. Wait, not Johnny Knoxville? Believe it or not. That's that's wrong. That's that's incorrect. It would only it would be several years later that Johnny Knoxville would make his triumphant return to the WWE and of course have the run of his entire career in that amazing match against Sami Zayn. He would eventually make his uh, make a return to ECW in around November time, the next month, uh, distracting John Morrison and The Miz during their segment. I would have a couple of matches here and there. Eventually, his last appearance would be... His last two appearances, I should say, would be in a winning effort against Paul Burchill. And yes, this is implied incest Paul Burchill. Right. Okay, we don't talk, I mean, going from one extreme of pirate Paul Burchill to in, implied incest with your sister Paul Burchill is weird. Uh, yep. Funny thing is, Paul Burchill would then go on to leave after that because he wasn't entirely happy with that gimmick. Uh, I believe he went on to be a firefighter. Fire. Fire. Uh, eventually, I believe he's actually making a comeback as well to, to wrestling. So good on you, Paul Virgil. Hopefully, with a different gimmick. <laughs> a, a firefighter stripper gram? I don't know. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> I mean, you never know. Um, so, in his last match, would be a squash loss to Kane. And in March of 2005, WWE announced that they had released Boogeyman from his contract. Around 2010, he would eventually make sporadic appearances on the independent scene. Um, here, there, and everywhere. Uh, no, no, nothing really of note. He would continue to use the Boogeyman gimmick up until 2012, where he was signed to a Legends contract, making his return during the Slammy Awards, sneaking up on his former rival, Booker T. Uh, beautiful. <laughs> just, the WWE legend, the Boogeyman, just feels <laughs> so right to say. He would make an mm -hmm. in-ring return, uh, his first return to the like in-ring return for the WWE in almost six years, where he became entrant number seven in the 2015 Royal Rumble, uh, coming face-to-face with Bray Wyatt. Oh, that would have been special. Makes, oh man, that makes me so happy. <laughs> that makes me ridiculously happy. They would both I, I I love that visual of Bray and Boogeyman just, just like standing so still and just staring into one another's souls, basically. Just 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 the staring at each other's souls in absolute respect. We've both seen things these people wouldn't believe. <laughs> <laughs> just it's just a boogeyman just pointing to him wordlessly just going you me same <laughs> <laughs> and this was oh, then he would sign to a what was a lot of people have noted 
He was then re-signed to a quite lucrative Legends contract with the WWE. As he should. Basically, make tons of money, make infrequent appearances, and become a spokesperson for the company. <laughs> I love the fucking spokesperson, the boogeyman. <laughs> uh, I, I really hope that there was that one kid... That one kid in the Make a Wish Foundation who was like, "I want to see the Boogeyman." I really yeah, hope that. Same. Happened. I, want that so I really bad. hope that happened. <laughs> oh man, I would love to see that. Of course, they posted on their YouTube channel a number of videos where Boogeyman and like during the Halloween time, Boogeyman pops up here and there to do like scary prank videos. Like he would be in the uh, in the lifts of Titan Towers. And the elevator of Titan Towers scaring the employees. You know, I've seen those videos. They're so great. But you know what the funniest one was? I think the great is the reaction. Because everyone kind of like... Everyone, once they once they realize what's just happened, they kind of go, Oh, hey, man! <laughs> how, they, they all go, how are you? Like, they all look so happy to see him. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, with this, sees him having sporadic appearances. He was on the Raw 20, uh, 25th anniversary show, making an appearance there. The Which is odd, considering I see him as a SmackDown guy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. On July 2019, he made an appearance on the Raw reunion show, winning his one and only title, being a holder of the 24-7 championship, with help uh, pinning Drake Maverick and having help from... Pat Patterson, of all people. <laughs> and his wow. last official appearance for WWE was during Legends Night in 2021, scaring then 24-7 champion Angel Garza and allowing R-Truth to regain the championship. So what is old Marty Wright doing outside of professional wrestling right now? As I said, he's still a spokesperson for... Um, for the WWE on that Legends contract. But right now, he's an aerobics instructor uh, in his native Colorado. And he actually has his own uh, Instagram and YouTube channel where he's actually giving out advice for workouts and how to kind of properly use weight uh, weight equipment. Um, for more intense purposes, he is in, he's incredibly happy with what he's done during his, his entire career. He gets a kick out of people when they don't recognize him, but then they say his name or what he did, and people immediately get hyped. <laughs> because it's crazy how, like, how kind of mild-mannered he looks outside of the makeup. <laughs> oh, man. And, yeah, um, he does. he's done a couple of other things as well. He ended up being... A little fun fact, he ended up being... Um, helped hyped up Bobby Lashley's MMA career by doing a couple of short promos for Bobby Lashley's time during um, Strike Force, I believe, he, when he was a part of Strike Force. Interesting. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much he's that's pretty much the life and times of the Boogeyman. Uh, fellas, what I why why has he endured so much how do you why do you think the boogeyman as a gimmick and a character has endured so much because he honest to god was just that good at it mm -hmm. he I, was committed to it he i've i there are a few people in wrestling that committed to a bit 
and he is absolutely look it's like it's quite simple if the guy is eating live real worms for your entertainment <laughs> he gets your respect if nothing else <laughs> and like he wasn't like was he a good wrestler no but he was good enough for what he needed to do yeah yeah it just he, he ate the worms more do you want yeah and like and it wasn't like he was and you know what and he was really well booked like yeah, when you like when you like shockingly well booked to like very competently booked like they didn't put him in a scenario where he would get in the way of something really massive he wasn't like so low that it would be like boring he interacted with people well mm. And and his fellow wrestlers really like sold the shit out of him as well. Yeah. Although when you look like that, probably prob they probably were selling it for real. <laughs> how how many of those how many of those scares were shoots? Probably more than one. <laughs> and he just God, he was just a fucking delight. He's just a delight to see. <laughs> I do find it funny, however, just how much fucking money he made. Like, <laughs> as, like, as he should. As he no, as he should. But the fact that like like his actual bona fides, it's like he only got one he only got one title, okay, but he got a big contract, was made a legend and spokesperson. Like he didn't <laughs> like he is all and he is by all rights a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. Who just happens to eat worms and and break clocks over his head? What? What? what it's the the story of the boogeyman is a disturb. It's a weirdly feel good story <laughs> of a of a man finding success late in late in life. Mm -hmm. Like, like if. Everyone could have a career as the boogeyman. We'd all be set. Which is a sentence I never thought I would ever <laughs> say in my life. <laughs> it's true. It's really true. <laughs> I I know Jeff Jarrett would probably be happy for him. Like he got all the money. All he has to do is eat the worms, break the clock, do a few moves. That's it. He's kind of like I almost. He's almost like Diamond Dallas Page. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it's crazy it's how we've done a boogeyman episode, but not a DDP episode. Yeah, I think we, we definitely that'll definitely be next year. That'll definitely be next year. I think we'll have to do a Diamond Dallas page. But like, you get that meaning of like a guy who should not succeed in the business, but he really did. He really just did everything he needed to do. So, are you saying that the boogeyman is the Simon Miller of the mid two thousands? Yeah. Why? I think I am. Here's why. Here's worms. <laughs> oh, look at that. How, I've seen the picture. How could you hate that face? <laughs> uh, oh, man. Before we do Ed, wrap this up, though, I do want to, like... Should we just round off some of the like the, our favourite backstage moments and segments that a boogeyman had? Of course, we've talked about the Trump one. That goes about saying that's infamous and iconic. There's the one with John Cena back in 2006 where he just opens a random door and boogeyman starts singing London Bridges Falling Down. <laughs> to which Cena slowly closes the door, burns the lens of the camera, 
and it just quickly swings it back open, to which Boogie Man goes, my fair lady, bah! and slams the alarm <laughs> on his head. <laughs> I think, I can't remember who it was. Where I, I can't remember which wrestler it was, but my favorite one is when the Boogeyman is just eating. He just sees some guy, he sees one of the wrestlers and just kind of goes, you want some? And he just kind of just hands <laughs> this guy worms. <laughs> oh, any moments that spring to mind, Melee? Like, like, I'm the kind of guy, you know, I love me some Foxy Road, you know, Kenta yeah, Kobashi, Misawa. Yes. Let's go. But at the same breath, I don't know why, but I get so hyped at the thought of Hornswoggle versus Mini Boogeyman. <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> Let me guess. Is, are you going to be using those two in the image to, 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 to retweet this? <laughs> this episode, <laughs> <laughs> Just little Boogeyman and Hornswoggle and Alicia Fox in the middle. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, I mean, folks, where's the lie? Um... <laughs> True. But no, honestly, I feel like we have had a whole kind of like, I think we've had a wide scope of people to chronicle during Black History Month, haven't we? <laughs> yes, yes, we mm-hmm. have. Dare I say this might be just as based as the Mark Henry episode. <laughs> it's, it's, you know what? It may, if it's not as based as that, it's at least as based as the DeLong Brown episode. Yeah. Oh, damn it, (laughs) D-Lo. So, I think that is a good enough way to end this episode and to end 2023's Black History Month. Um, It has been a blast. I have had so much fun doing all the research for these these peeps. I can't wait for next year because always, I, I don't know, especially the past couple of years, I feel like we get our most based and hyped episodes during this month. That's because black excellence is abound. Yes, sir. You damn right. So before we head off, a couple of little things. Patreon.com forward slash sweet chinwag. Yes, we are right in the midst of getting getting a lot of stuff going and flowing. We've got a couple of more. We're going to have a couple of preambles coming up in the next few episodes. We're going to have early uploads, of course. But we might also be doing, as I said, we might be doing some in spot like SGH and watch this inspired stuff that we might put up on there. I have a couple of matches in mind that we could watch as a watch along sort of thing. And of course, there are a couple of just offshoot out of wrestling things that I have been considering. Basically, remember Reardon when we did the live stream of Fatal Deviation? Oh, yeah. Something similar to that with a couple of offshoot films here and there that I have spotted online of course there's that um the one thing i've been thinking of is that awful star wars italian star wars ripoff known as star odyssey oh god yeah (laughs) so look forward to that that is all going to come up on our patreon patreon.com forward slash sweet chinwag melee the floor is yours yes anything you damn right and uh base world uh related the floor is yours sir well basically you damn right. Good podcast, very good podcast. Pretty much doing rips on episodes of SmackDown. Go watch it. Buy the Patreon. I don't know how much it is. I don't care. Just give them the money. <laughs> Buy the merch. 
Uh, Base World, they recently just uploaded a new Bing Chilling uh, watching an episode of Spooks this spooky season. Oh. So that's good. Oh, yes. Go watch it, everybody. Go buy it. Just go pay for it. Yes. Whatever it... Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Um, and also, buy Chinwag merch. Yes! We actually do Because they are better. We do actually have WrestleTees.co.uk. We do have our merch. We got that there. We've got a few more designs coming up. I have been busy working on a few inspired little things. Of course, if you see on WrestleTees, we have our SmackDown our SmackDown inspired logo. We have the You Know Guys t-shirt as well. Breeden, are you still chuffed? Yeah, you have your own t-shirt. I am very chuffed. Uh, but I've got a couple of designs that I've got going. I might have a Gorillas inspired one that might be coming out very soon. I have um, a shoot style uh, design that I might be coming out very soon as well. Stay tuned. Look up, uh, look up on WrestleTees.co.uk. We are looking for a US distributor. We might actually be... I've, I'm getting the feeling we might actually just do it ourselves. We might just open a bonfire just for the heck of it. Because you guys, because oh you guys might, because you guys are doing well with the base world stuff on bonfire. So. <laughs> True. So yeah, we're looking for an international distributor for those stuffs. But that is all coming up on our next episode. Ah, oh, it's good. It's good to have these two back because we are going to be having David and Cass returning to the podcast to do. Oh our, my! To do our retrospective on the Nexus. Ah oh, yes, sir. I am really looking forward to this one. Uh, permitting it might be a little bit later than usual, permitting that Cass's uh, place of employment actually allows him to have free time to record the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we, but we'll let you guys know eventually if that does happen or not. But that's all coming up on the next episode. Until then, I have been Sam. This has been Melee and Reardon. And Dan, because he's got a little pre-record bit that he's going to want to slot in right in the middle of this. <laughs> and this has been the Speed Wag Podcast. We will see you, as always, on the next one. Bye, everybody! Bye-bye! Bye, by the merch.